You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Tell all the church, happy Samoan language week. <laughs> it's so good to be here. Um, and awesome to see you, awesome to see so many smiling faces on this uh, lovely Queen's birthday weekend. I love the Queen. Long live our glorious Queen. She gives us holidays, man. Let's go. Let's go. Um, I, d- I do apologize today if I, if I start to slur or get a little bit crazy. I had the worst sleep last night. You know, I had a terrible sleep last night. Just sleep. Awesome. Uh, and so it's one of those things as a pastor where you're like, you know, on any other day of the week, you can just get through. And then on like the day of Sunday, when you have a bad sleep before a Sunday, you're like, Lord, you better show up. <laughs> so he better show up today. And he has, and he is. And I just want to honor our amazing worship team. Didn't they just do a phenomenal job leading us? And they do it, listen, they do it week in and week out. And Dan, our worship pastor, does a phenomenal job. He's currently in one of the back rooms mixing the audio for online ch- uh, church. And they just, they, they serve so faithfully. They're here, they're the first here, they're the last to leave. Uh, they are back here at three o'clock in the afternoon for the 5 p.m. service. They've been here since before 7 a.m. this morning. Uh, they are here on a Wednesday night. They're practicing at home. What an amazing bunch of people who just use their gift to glorify God. Uh, I thank God for you guys. You're absolutely amazing. One more time, yeah. Okay. Welcome to our new series called The Ten. We are going to go on the longest series journey we've ever done as a church. Ten whole weeks. It's going to be awesome. And we are going to give each one of these 10 the credit they need and the time they need and the space that they need. And much of the, the series that we're doing comes out of the work of a guy named J. John, author and evangelist J. John. If you want to see his work on this uh, thing, he calls it the ten, uh, um, top 10. You can go and have a look at that. It's awesome work. Uh, but I want to dive straight in. We're going to go from 10 to 1. We're going to do like the countdown, the top 10 countdown all the way from 10 to 1. Uh, we're not going from 1 up. We're going from 10 down. There's a reason for that journey. We're going to do Uh, We're going to take you on and you'll find out by the time we get to number one. Um, So we're going to number 10 today is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 17 says this, you shall not covet or thou shall not covet or do not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything else. That is your neighbor's. Coming in at number 10, thou shall not covet. Thou shall not covet. I have an identical twin brother, so my life has built on coveting. (laughs) Lots of competition with me and my brother. Uh, We're identical twins, so if you see me somewhere doing something I should not be doing, it's not me. Just, just assume. Um, when we were growing up, we played a game when we when we drive around in the car with my mum and dad. We would play a game, and it's a it's a it's a really stupid game. It's a very simple game, but we love playing it. It's a lot of fun, and I've taught it since to my family and my kids, and we still play it. We play it to this very day. I guarantee, on the way to church, my boys were playing this game. The game is called my car. My car. Not Micah, my car. So the premise of the game is simple. If you're driving around and you see a car that you desire, 
You see a car that you envy. You see a car that you covet, that you wish you would possess, that someone else has. All you have to do is look at that car and say, my car. And that car is now logged in the magical, imaginary, my car garage of life. And you now have ownership and possession of that car. It sounds really stupid, but it's so much fun. And you, you, like, you, you bang up all these cool cars, and it's like a competition to see who can get the best car. And it's, it's, it's awesome. And I need to let you know, church, that I am a humble servant of the Lord, but I do own a Ferrari. <laughs> I own a Maserati. I own a McLaren. I own two Porsches, a fleet of Range Rovers, about 17 Teslas, and a school bus. In fact, many of the cars that you drove to church today, I own. You're welcome for the privilege of still driving those cars into church today. It's my gracious gift towards you because that is my car. The game is based around seeing something that you desire, something that you want, something that you envy, something that you wish you had, and claiming it for yourself. And although this is a bit of harmless fun, and I guarantee we are going to be the church of the My Car game from now on, it's a bit of harmless fun, but it does illustrate the heart of what it is to covet. See, to covet means to yearn to possess something that belongs to another. It is a yearning desire to have what someone else has. And coveting is a big deal. It's such a big deal that it made God's top 10. God's top 10 things of not to do. Hey, when you live this life, people that I created, don't do these things. Coveting made the top 10. I'm not sure it would make my top 10 list, but it made it because it's actually a really big deal. And here's what I've learned through studying coveting and what it is and what it means. Coveting is like the gateway sin. You know they say there's like gateway drugs, like that lead to harder, bigger drugs? Coveting is like a gateway sin. It opens the door for a whole lot of other sins that ultimately lead to quite devastating outcomes. In fact, I wrote a list of all the things that coveting can lead to. Do you want to hear my list? Too bad, I'm going to tell you. Coveting leads to comparison, materialism, poor decisions, debt, dissatisfaction, feelings of lack, selfishness, greed, deceit, murder, theft, envy, bitterness, discouragement, and idolatry. That's a terrible list. No one's sitting there going, that's a lovely list. Let's have some more of that in my life. It's a terrible list. And friend, God's best for you is not a life of envy and coveting and wanting and desiring that which someone else possesses. God's best for you is a life of contentment and joy. He has it for you, and that's why he says, thou shall not covet. Don't do that. And so the question is, how do we live a life that holds to this 10th commandment? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. Coming in at my number one, so here's the first thing I want to share with you. If you want to live a life that holds this 10th commandment, and it's God's call for us. These, these commandments are timeless. These commandments are echoed both Old Testament and New Testament. It's God's call for us to live a life aligned to these things. So how do we live a life free of coveting? How do we live a life that aligns with this 10th commandment? First thought I have is this. Be aware that the world is lying to you. Be aware that the world is lying to you. We live in a world that is trying to get you to believe the lie that you need what other people have. 
We live in a world that's trying to get you to believe that if you want to be happy, you have to have this thing that someone else possesses or this better thing or this more thing or this extra thing. We live in a world that is geared towards selling you into a lie. I watched an infomercial the other day. Now, I don't watch infomercials often because they are hideous. But I was watching TV and in the ad break came on an infomercial and it was an infomercial for a vacuum cleaner. And here's what they do in the infomercials for a vacuum cleaner. They don't just sell you what the new product is, they make you loathe what you already have. So it starts with a person, that it goes to a shot of a person with an old style vacuum cleaner, the one that everyone owns. The shot is in black and white and grainy footage. There is depressing music. The people are so unhappy. They are depressed. They are forlorn. Their souls are downcast. They are crestfallen. The vacuum cleaner that they are using seems to weigh about 150 kilos. It's impossible to move. They are having the worst time of their life. Nothing could be more depressing. Now you try and lift that vacuum cleaner upstairs. It's inevitable they're going to show you that shot of a person trying to get this thing. Then there's the inevitable back twinge as the lower back gives way to the weight of this horrendous machine that you've been suffering with for so long as you attempt to clean your house. The people are miserable. There's nowhere to store it. There's no place for it to go. It's so heavy and out of place, and it doesn't even do its job properly. It's the vacuum cleaner that sucks. <laughs> now listen, listen, that's not even in my notes. That's a word from the Lord. Excuse me while I make a note of that for the second service. I'm just going to make sure they get it while they listen real good. Next minute, the, the screen flips to the new vacuum. It's a stick vacuum, very mobile. The color is bright and vibrant. The music is upbeat. I have never seen someone so full of joy than I have and the person with the new vacuum cleaner. They are on some kind of happy pill that I have never seen before. This vacuum is absolutely incredible. Vibrant color, smiling faces. And you know what I noticed in this information, and I pointed it out to my family. Not only did it suddenly get brighter and more life-giving and more fun, like these people are having so much fun vacuuming a house. It's unbelievable. But the people in the video, in the ad, they got got younger, they got skinnier, and they got better looking. All in an attempt to get you and I to desire something that we do not have. Can I let you in on a secret? They're lying to you. I don't care how good it is. It's a machine that sucks dirt, not fat cells and misery. Doesn't suck those things. You're left with those. They're lying to you. Social media is lying to you. The person that you follow on Instagram or Facebook, that influencer, or as I like to call them, influencers. <laughs> We're being naughty today, I'm sorry. 
The person you follow, do you know what you're seeing? You're seeing the highlight reel of their life. The highlight reel. Do you know what it's like? You know when you watch a fishing program? Do you know what you're watching when you watch a fishing program? Because it's so exciting. You're watching the highlight reel. They condensed 14 hours of sitting in a boat, staring at nothing, into half an hour of exhilarating, thrilling fish catching. Instagram and social media is the highlight reel of someone's life. Not only that, it is the filtered, edited, carefully selected and presented version of their life that they want you to see. Social media is lying to you. It's lying to you. And many of us sit there coveting and desiring the home, the family, the marriage, the holidays, the lifestyle that these people on social media have that we so desire. Can I let you in on a secret? Most of those people are more miserable than you. You desire something that someone else has. And I, and I want to say this, far too many young people, especially girls, are sacrificing God's best for them because they're yearning for a life that someone else has. Romans 12.2 says this, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed into a new person by the renewing of your mind. Friends, the, here's a renewal of your mind moment. The world is lying to you. Understand that. Understand that. Because if you don't understand that, you're going to get stuck in the trap of coveting. First and foremost, let's agree, most of this world is trying to sell us something that someone else has. You don't need it. It's not what's going to bring you that smile, that happiness, that joy, that thing you're looking for. God has a contentedness and a joy for you that is far beyond anything you can possess. Someone wants to clap. You can go. <laughs> it's like that false start. Did I go too early? Just go. Number two, if you want to hold to this, the 10th the commandment, number two, here's a, here's a brain buster for you. Be grateful. Be grateful. If you want to live a life not consumed by coveting and envy of what other people have, be grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Be thankful in all circumstances. Not some. Not a few. Not the good ones. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What's God's will for me? Be thankful. What's God's will for my life? Be thankful all the time. In all circumstances, giving thanks to God, always. Church, develop a heart, an attitude, a lifestyle of gratitude. I'm grateful. When you find yourself beginning to yearn and desire something that someone else has, here's the answer. God, I'm grateful. Oh, I wish I had that. God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I do have. I'm not looking for what I don't. I'm not looking at this world going, I don't have that, I don't have that. Oh, I want that. They have that. No, no, God, I'm grateful for what I do have. Friends, when I look around this room and I see all the men in the room with full heads of hair, <laughs> with fantastic follicles, luscious locks, who get to go to the barber and say, let me tell you what I'd like. <laughs> I could start to get bitter. I could start to get upset. I could start to Google Ashley and Martin hair clinics. <laughs> but instead, I say, God, I'm thankful you gave me a good shaped head. <laughs> because not all are. Not all are, but mine's okay.
I say, God, I'm thankful that I married early before my follicles decided to flee. <laughs> and I got the girl. And she's locked into a covenant that she cannot escape. I'm grateful. Gratitude, what gratitude does is it takes your eyes off what you don't have and it helps you realize what you do have. And it also re-centers you quite powerfully on Jesus because when you're grateful, you're giving thanks to someone. And so those moments where you think, oh man, oh, no, 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 I'm grateful. grateful gra gratitude re-centers you in a powerful way, both when you are in plenty and in lack. When you're, when you're excelling and when it's deficient, you can say, God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I do have. I'm grateful for what you've brought me to. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm grateful for where I am. I may not have that or this, but I'm grateful for what I do have. I may not have the marriage that they have, but God, I'm grateful for my spouse. I may not have the job and success that they have, but God, I'm, I'm grateful for the job I do have. Simple gratitude. And I'm not laboring on this point for a long time because it is really simple, but it's so powerful. And I, I would encourage every single, some of you here today, this is going to be the single biggest takeaway of the morning, is that you're just going to leave this place and be a whole lot more grateful for what you have. And it's going to break the back of coveting and envy off your life. Be grateful. Be grateful. The third thought I have is this. Ben, you guys can come. Um, how do we hold to the 10th commandment? Number three, be a good steward. Be a good steward. When I was about 25, I made a very, very poor financial decision. Like I said, I have a twin brother, so my life is built on envy. And my brother, one day, when I was about 25 years old, he came home with a very cool car, like an awesome car. He showed up, and he had a 1997 Toyota Caldina GTT. And some of you are like, others of you are like, it's all right. So he showed up in this car, and it was awesome. I was so envious of it. It was one of those cars that sneezes when it changes gear. What? <laughs> Some of your cars burp, eh? <laughs> it was a sweet car. I loved it. I was so envious. I, was, I coveted that car so much. Do you know what I did? I sold my car, which was a good car. Like a really, I had no debt on the car. I owned it outright. It was a great car. It, was, it had been regularly serviced. It was fuel efficient. It was a great little car. It, honestly, it, one of my regrets in life is selling that car. I wish I still had it because it was such a good little car. But I sold that car. I took out a loan and I bought the exact same car as my brother. Same color, same year, same everything. We just wanted to confuse the world a whole lot more. <laughs> and it was a cool car, but a very dumb financial decision. Because it set us back financially as a family probably about two or three years. All because I coveted what someone else had. Coveting leads to some really dumb decisions. Fun, oh, but dumb. Coveting causes you to try and live tomorrow's life today. Coveting causes you to live beyond your means. In fact, here's what I've realized, and you might want to write this down because I think it's a cool thought. I've realized that coveting 
is wanting the outcome without the investment. Coveting is wanting the end result without the sacrifice. Remember when we read that passage? Do not covet your neighbor's house, his wife, his servants, his ox, his donkey. You know why he has those things? Because he worked and he invested and he was a good steward and he put time into it. And most of us want what someone else has, but we don't want to pay the price. That's what coveting is. And it only gets you in trouble. I wish I had your marriage. Well, that marriage is built on years of hard work. Hard work. I wish I had your faith. Well, that faith is built on trial and struggle and prayer and the word and diligence in seeking God. See, we want the outcome, but we don't want the sacrifice. We want the end result, but we, want, we don't want to do the work in the middle of it. But that heart of gratitude says, God, I'm thankful for what I do have. And so because I'm thankful, I'm going to steward it really well. I'm going to invest in and tend to that which you have already given me. I'm not going to want the end result without the sacrifice. The Bible says this, if you're faithful with the little things, you'll be entrusted with much. Stewardship is about tending to and being faithful with what God has placed in your life, what God has given to you. So let's stop coveting that relationship and let's start being grateful for the relationship we have and let's tend to it. Let's steward it. Let's stop coveting that other person's marriage and family and let's instead start being, say, God, I'm thankful for my marriage. I'm thankful for my family. Help me steward it well. Help me tend to that garden. Help me pull out the weeds and invest in it and put time into it and put energy into it and put prayer into it and actually sacrifice something to grow it. Let's not covet someone else's finances and resources and go, man, I want what they have. Why don't we be thankful for what we have and steward our finances well? Actually tend to them well and make wise decisions and live biblically. And Let's not cover other people's jobs and positions and careers. I'd encourage us as a church to start stewarding our jobs well what you have. Let's not covet someone else's opportunities. Someone else gets an opportunity, they get a promotion, they get something. Oh, I wish I had that. Why don't you steward the opportunities you have well? No matter how big or how small, no matter how grand or minute they might seem to you, God, I'm thankful for the opportunity and I'm going to steward it. I'm going to shepherd it. I'm going to tend to it. My home, my family, my job, my resources, my kids, my spouse, my friendships, my church. I'm going to steward. I'm going to tend to it. I'm going to invest into it. Here's what I will say. If you steward what God has given you well, don't be surprised when you end up with a life that someone else covets. If you steward what God has given you well, don't be surprised when you end up with a life that someone else covets. That's not the goal, but I'm just saying if you steward what God's given you well, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be entrusted with much. These 10 commandments, they're not just for yesterday. They're not just some ancient code that is for a people not like us. They're for us, for here, they're for now. And God's best for us as a, as, as a people of faith is not one full of coveting. It's one of contentedness and one of joy. And so I want to encourage us, church, let's be a church with eyes wide open to know that the world around us is lying to us and they're trying to get us to believe the lie that we need something else. When we don't, God is enough and Jesus is enough for us. 
Let's be a church that is grateful for what we have. Like actually live a life that says, you know what, God, I'm grateful. As soon as those thoughts of envy and coveting come in, God, I'm grateful for what I have. Watch how that recenters you. Watch how it brings you back to a place of, of contentedness in God. And let's be a church that in turn steward whatever God has given us well. And maybe for you today, there's an area of your life where you're like, man, I have taken this for granted and I need to come back to a heart of gratitude for what I have. And maybe there's an area of your life where you're, you're looking for what someone else has got and maybe God is asking you today not to try and get the end result without the sacrifice. In fact, maybe his call for you is to begin to dive in and steward, tend to cultivate what he's given you and so it will grow and it will flourish. I really believe that God's best for us is not a life of coveting, but a life of contentedness and joy. And you can find it in Him. Is that okay? I want to pray for you, church. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for your amazing grace towards us. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for the timeless, powerful nature of your word. And Lord, although these commandments were given many years ago, and they were given to establish a way of living for a people that you called out and set apart as your own. So too, these commandments are a code for us to live by as followers of you. And so, Lord, I pray that for all of us, you would help us to live lives of contentedness and joy, not buying into the lies of this world that we need something that someone else possesses, Lord, if there is coveting in our hearts right now, we repent of it, we turn from it, we ask you forgive us of it, and Lord, help us to be a people who are grateful for all we have and steward what you've given us really well. Help us to do it, God. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be good stewards. We can't do it on our own. We need you, Holy Spirit, to help us in this. Lead us, prompt us, and guide us, I pray. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and every head bowed, I want to pray another prayer today. If you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus or maybe you're here today and your life just isn't right with God, I would love it if I could lead you in a simple prayer. The truth is, friends, that God loves you. God made you. God has a great plan for your life. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. And the, the payment due for our sin is death. And God in His grace, He sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself the payment you and I would do for our sin. And then He conquered death in the grave and He rose again to new life. And He extends to every single person here today, not judgment, not condemnation, but grace. Forgiveness for all your wrongs. A brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. You get to walk into the plans and purposes of God for your life. He's got a plan for you, friend. And then there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. If you're here today, you're not right with God. Your life isn't right with Him. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus, but you want to. Or maybe you'll be honest and say, Steve, my life is far from God. I've walked with Jesus before, but I'm far from Him today. I want to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Online, you can pray along with me too. I'll lead you in it. I'll pray it out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. Are you ready? Just say these words in your heart. Say, God, today. I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. 
So right now, I turn from my old life and I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Take control. Be the Lord of my life. I choose from this day to live for you in Jesus' name. Just so every eye still closed and every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm so proud of you. I want to invite you to do one really brave thing for me. If you prayed that prayer, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Online, there's a button that's coming up in the chat that says, I raise my hand or count me in. Click that button or follow that link. What I'm asking you to do is to take a little step of faith. Put some action to the decision that you just made. Are you ready? If you prayed that prayer, be bold, be brave. On the count of three, one, two, three. Hands up nice and high right now saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. Awesome. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. Count me in. I prayed that prayer. Online, you can click that button whenever you need. You go for it. would love to help you on your journey. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. I prayed that prayer. I meant it. Thank you online. We see you there. Two online. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Three online. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God, I thank you so much for those who just made this decision today. We bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you that new life has come to them. Thank you that their old life is gone and a new life has come, that their sins are forgiven and that their eternity is secure. And we bless them today as a church. May you fill them and may they know the life that comes from Jesus. We bless them as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, let's put our hands together for those people. How good is that? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz